Hi folks, Nathan Pierce here with Family Protection Ministries. It is August 25th, Friday, and I'm excited to share a few things with you. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about the four aspects of the work that we do on legislation, uh, and that's uh, detect, analyze, monitor, and intervene in all legislation that impact private homeschooling and parental rights. And we um, are dealing with specific bills this year, as you've known that we've dealt with a whole bunch of bills already this year. Uh, there are currently some that we are currently engaged with. We're going to talk a little bit about some stories on uh, that fourth aspect, the intervention part. I'll talk a little bit about that today, and then we'll go into some uh, of the actions that you can take right now to uh, be participating with us in defending the freedoms that we have in California today. And so as we get into this, uh, we are 100% working on protecting the rights of homeschool families throughout the state of California. And no matter what your reason is for homeschooling, we defend the right of homeschool families that are choosing private home education. So let's get into it. Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. I'd also love to hear from each of you, anybody that has an idea of what are your top three reasons that you homeschool. I'd love to hear what it is that drives you to homeschool and what are the top reasons, what are the top freedoms that you care about for you, for your children, for your family. So think about that and I would encourage you to put that in the comments below and we'll uh, engage with those and uh, definitely follow up on it in the weeks to come. All right, so Today, I want to go through a little bit the, the four points of engagement with legislation, and those four items are detect, analyze, monitor, and intervene. So let's start with detect. How do we detect legislation? Well, as you know, there's about 3,000 bills a year, and Drew Olander helps me a whole lot with going through the filtering process of going and looking at all those bills, um, not just at the beginning of the year or when a new bill is introduced, but each time a bill gets amended, we re-filter through that bill to make sure that it is not going to impact families. And if it does, that it would uh, be something that um, we can figure out whether it's something that's in our arena or if it's something that another organization is going to take on because it's more in their arena. And we look at things specifically from the perspective of homeschool families. So if we're looking at uh, something that would actually impact a private homeschool family, uh, somebody that has chosen to homeschool privately in California, we would take action on that bill because we are concerned for the the freedoms of those families. And it might be something that would impact them and their ability to homeschool, or it might relate to their parental rights and their authority in their own homes in raising their children. Because as you recall, our mission here at Family Protection Ministries is to protect the freedom of parents to train, educate, and care for their children privately without government interference. And that means that we want to be able to 
have the freedom in California to raise up our children and to make decisions for them, whether those are education decisions or medical decisions. Um, but we want to make those decisions as a family, as parents, not have the government be in charge of making those decisions. So detecting is uh, the first step in finding out what legislation to take action on. And that detecting is something that we use a lot of software and uh, services to help us figure out. But even with the software and services that we use to find legislation, we also find legislation um, that's dangerous sometimes before it's introduced. And that's actually the best time to find bad legislation because it's easiest to affect change before something is introduced and made public because then there's not as much political investment in that particular piece of legislation. So if you can find out about a piece of legislation, whether it's because you happen to know somebody in the legislator's office, which sometimes we're able to find out about things that way. Sometimes if you know somebody who is, a, is um, able to, to find out because they're at a, uh, uh, an, an event, a local event with that legislator, whether it's a, um, an event that's just happening, like a grand opening of some local business that the legislator happens to be there and talking about what they're doing in the legislature these days. Um, and something about parental rights or, or homeschooling or families comes up in that conversation. Or sometimes it might happen in a, uh, the context of, of a, a town hall meeting or something where the legislator is, is taking questions from people in their local community. These are all uh, situations where you might find, a piece of find out about a piece of proposed legislation or even just ideas before they're in legislation long before our software can even find it. So we rely on communication from a lot of people throughout the state that might be hearing things that we're not hearing because they're in places that we don't, that we're not, we're not there. So we can't hear those things. So um, if you are in a position where you can engage in those situations and find out about things, it's really helpful to us. So that's the detect phase, and we, we find most of the bills that we work on through our filtering services that help us pull up bills that we need to then more read more, uh, more carefully and then analyze and find out what the bill means. Sometimes it's a little more difficult um, to analyze a bill because it's more complex. Uh, some bills are really straightforward. Some are more complex because they refer to a code section that is already in the law and then that code section might refer to another code section, and that one might refer to another code section. And no, I'm not exaggerating here. That happens a lot, where it's one refers to another, refers to another, refers to another, and there's sort of this tangled web of all these different code sections that you can't figure out what it actually means in this piece of legislation until you actually track down all the way to the very end of that web and find out what a definition says somewhere. So it's really important to go through an analysis process thoroughly on a bill. And sometimes uh, we get through the analysis process and realize, okay, this bill doesn't actually do what we thought it might, or maybe it doesn't do what it looks like it's doing because there's a definition way down here in the, in the tangled web of code sections that actually says more specifically what this bill is doing because it relies on that on that definition that's already in the code somewhere. So that's the uh, detecting phase and the analyzing phase. And 
really, um, once we get through that, it's that's the point where we realize whether we are just going to watch a piece of legislation because it um, it's uh, not actually dangerous, but if it gets tweaked even slightly, then it does become dangerous. So we might watch a bill. We might call a legislator's office and ask them. In fact, this happens quite a bit. Uh, where we'll call a legislator's office and ask them a series of questions on the bill just to make sure that we understand it correctly um, and we can sort of set it aside and keep an eye on it but not be currently taking action on it. Other bills, um, and that's and that's something we do with just monitoring those bills, and then uh, we, and we, and we check up on those bills every day to make sure that they haven't changed or moved, and then we have this intervene phase where if a bill does pose a threat to families or homeschooling specifically, we will take action on it. And that might mean that we propose an amendment to the author's office. It might mean that we uh, actually testify against it in a hearing, or we send letters to a committee, or we ask for people to make phone calls to a committee or to a specific person. And in uh, some of the cases in, in the bills that we're asking for action on right now, uh, and we'll get to that at the end today, uh, when we talk about some actions you can take right now, uh, there will be specific action items that you can do to actually have uh, make a difference. And um, so that's detect, analyze, monitor, and intervene. That's the kinds of things that we do on bills as they go, are going through the legislative process here in California. And um, each bill is different, and each author is different, and each uh, situation with a bill is going to be different and so every time we deal with a, a bill um, and this year we've been dealing with somewhere between 25 and 30 different bills where we have had to take action um, and so we we have to do different things with different bills and we have to have a different strategy for addressing bills that are that are a threat uh, because of where they are or how quickly they're moving or um, or who the author is. Um, sometimes situations are easier because we already have an established uh, reputation with the legislative um, uh, office, whether it's with the author himself or with it, whether it's um, might be a staff member in that office that knows us, knows we're a good source of information and is ready and willing to work with us to come up with a solution that uh, satisfies everybody. And um, I really like it when we're able to provide a solution to their problem that doesn't impact private homeschool families. Um, because a lot of times that's what we're dealing with is legislation gets proposed because uh, there's some problem somewhere and they're trying to fix it. And it's not even a problem with homeschooling, but somehow while they're writing the legislation, homeschooling gets somehow included and our families that are homeschooling in California end up with the short end of a stick on this uh, piece of legislation simply because somebody didn't understand the law clearly when they wrote the piece of legislation. And so we can come alongside them and say, hey, this is what your bill is actually going to do in this situation. And most of the time, fortunately for us, though it takes quite a bit of work at times, we're able to explain it in such a way that they say, oh, we didn't mean to do that. How can we fix it? And usually we don't go to somebody like that uh, unless we have already prepared an answer to that question. And sometimes we provide several options for them so that they can then choose the one that they like best. And hopefully it's our favorite option too, where they can then 
uh, come up, they can accept an amendment from us that fixes our problem and solves their problem at the same time, and then the bill can move forward without us opposing it. And everybody's happy when people don't have to oppose a bill. So um, I wanted to, to kind of go through that to just help you understand uh, the process in, in the legislature is sort of wrapping up this year. We've just got a little bit of time left. And so there's, there's a couple of bills that are still sort of sitting out there with the possibility that they could go through the legislature. And I'll get to that at the end. But this is the process that repeats every year with every piece of legislation. And it's something that we have to stay on top of. And I have a staff that's really great at helping with the different aspects of these processes, detecting bills, analyzing bills, monitoring bills, and intervening. But I'm the only full-time person here at Family Protection Ministries. I think I may have uh, probably not explained that enough. But I'm the only full-time person here working on these things, and I do have a part-time staff, and I need to pay them to help me uh, do some of this work because I can't do it all on my own. And so if, if you're able to help uh, financially, we appreciate all of you who donate to Family Protection Ministries to keep this work going. It's a huge help to making it possible for us to keep doing this. Uh, we've been working here in Sacramento since 1986 on, uh, with the same mission, to protect homeschooling and I've been here for 20 years working on this full-time dealing with with legislation and so uh, I really appreciate those of you who are, are donating and if you're not already uh, part of that group I would encourage you to consider if you're benefiting from the work that we do here in, in Sacramento please consider uh, supporting us financially on and you can do that on our website at fpmca.org so um, you can uh, take a look on our website. There's several things uh, where uh, you can get involved uh, and, and learn more about the legislative process on our website. You can check the description for a link about how to find a bill and also uh, check our web, uh, the description for the link for um, the life cycle of legislation, which kind of goes through and gives you an idea of uh, where a bill stops. And I love thinking about the legislative process and all of the different places that a bill has to go before it gets to the governor's desk for a signature and getting signed into law, every one of those places that a bill goes is an opportunity for a bad bill to die. So uh, it's an opportunity for us to engage in the legislative process and to ask our legislators to not vote yes on something, but rather to let the bill die in that in that place. So. Um, it's, it's something to keep in mind as you look at the legislative process to, to understand that there are a lot of places for a bill to die. And um, we need to make sure that we're taking advantage of everything that we can if we care about the freedoms that we have to um, be doing what uh, we do. So uh, I wanted to mention too that uh, our capital day is filling up and that is something that we encourage everyone to participate in if you can. Uh, the application process starts on our website. Then those that are approved uh, to participate in Capital Day uh, will be able to register for Capital Day and then uh, participate with us at the Capitol for both training and advocacy as well as the uh, actually going to the state Capitol building and meeting with legislators and staff uh, and informing them on homeschooling. So. I would encourage you, encourage you to uh, sign up for that or apply 
to Capital Day as soon as you can because that uh, window is closing quickly and the applications are um, filling up fast. So uh, definitely take a look at that. Next, uh, I want to mention uh, some stories on how some of these interventions have gone in the past where we've had a bill that we're trying to intervene on and we've had to, uh, we've had to put every effort in to make that bill stop. I'm going to give you three examples. Two are from 2018 and one is from 2019. Two, in 2018, we had two bills that directly impacted private homeschooling. One was a bill uh, by Ms. Eggman who uh, was proposing a bill to create a commission to rewrite everything in California on homeschooling. Private homeschooling would uh, be getting new legislation on uh, uh, curriculum mandates, teacher credentialing, uh, health and safety standards, mandatory testing, and, and other things. So that bill was a significant threat to homeschooling as we know it in California. And so we, we definitely opposed that bill. And I had many meetings with her staff and uh, answered a whole lot of questions, both statistic questions as well as practical questions, as well as um, how uh, to write legislation. And um, ultimately, we asked lots, we asked all of the homeschool families connected with Family Protection Ministries to make phone calls and to call specifically Eggman's office and ask her, please do not move forward with this bill. Please pull your bill. And so fortunately, many, many homeschool families throughout the state of California uh, did that. They did just that. They made a phone call to Miss Eggman's office and asked her to pull the bill. And so many of them called that uh, Miss Eggman kept asking me to stop the phone calls. And so I really appreciate everybody that made those phone calls in 2018 to Miss Eggman's office because they had a real impact helping her to see, well, there's these people that care about their freedom. And um, not only that, but they're, they're uh, engaged in the, in the government process here and they're voicing their, their view on this piece of legislation. And um, on top of that, it's kind of creating a problem for my office in, in that situation they were getting so many calls it was causing it was sort of disrupting the work in their office on other things and uh, it made it so that they couldn't uh, call their own their their own staff in the other offices so um, it was very problematic and they eventually did pull that bill uh, from the committee hearing that it was in and scheduled for and ultimately um, that bill didn't move forward it was never voted on in committee it never even got a hearing so uh, that story is uh, something that can help all of us understand the importance and the the value of those phone calls when a lot of people call in and make their voice heard on something it can have a huge impact because these uh, staffers they hear from a lot of different people every day uh, legislators in the Capitol building and their staff in the Capitol building are dealing with a lot of people that are upset or um, trying to trying to push uh, one agenda or another and so when they hear from one random people here and there uh, it doesn't have as much of an impact as it does when a whole bunch of people call in about the same issue when you see that happen it makes a big difference and that sort of leads me to the next story which was around the same time and set for the same committee hearing was a bill mandating uh, fire inspections for every homeschool family in the state of California and that bill was actually um, set for a hearing and it actually got a hearing 
and this was um, Assemblyman Medina's bill, and this bill would have required every family to, to have a, a fire inspection done at their house. It also sort of uh, tweaked with the private school affidavit and um, required some new information. And we didn't like that bill either, and we so we were working to protect the, fr the rights of homeschool families and opposed that bill. Now, one of the things that happened with this bill is that Thousands of families showed up at the state capitol and had their voices heard on that bill. And at the end of the day, that bill never got a vote in committee, even though it was heard in committee. Nobody on the committee actually wanted to make a motion to have a vote on that bill because there were so many people opposing it. And so many people had been working on building relationships with the, with the legislators that are on that committee that uh, nobody wanted to oppose the homeschoolers. Now, so that, that bill didn't pass either. And so it, it, can, it can make a big difference when a large group of people show up to oppose a bill. Now, ne the next year, in 2019, there was another bill. And this bill got a lot less attention. But the bill, um, ultimately, it didn't actually pass that year. And what the bill was was a, a longitudinal database bill. And that bill was a requirement that every student in the state of California would have all of their school records, including grades and everything. All those school records would have to be in a statewide computer database system. And they would be in there forever. And the goal, the stated goal from the legislator's office that wrote this bill was that we wanted to be able to learn from uh, tracking people and all their grades and what jobs they got later in life, uh, being able to track people over uh, 10, 20, 30, 50 years and make uh, a database that showed them uh, how our education system was working and how it resulted in the people entering into the workforce and being productive. And um, so this is, this is severe government control here. And they wanted to include private homeschooling in that. And ultimately, ultimately, I ended up sitting in the lobby of this legislator's office uh, a couple, several times in order to get an appointment with uh, a staffer in order to explain our position that private homeschoolers didn't want to be included in that bill. And then ultimately, that bill was, um, didn't, didn't make it all the way through that particular year. And during that process, the staffer handling the bill was talked to by somebody else that I, that I spoke with that remembered 2018 and all the people that made phone calls and all the people that showed up at the Capitol. Because the person that was in this office hadn't been there the previous year and didn't remember any of the things that happened the year before with regard to the homeschool population making their voices heard in the state capitol. But somebody else did remember that in another office, and so I was able to talk to them. And um, the second office talked with the first office, and they were able to get me a meeting that helped me explain we don't take government funds and we don't want to be included in this database. And it was the we don't take government funds that actually led them to exclude private homeschool families from that statewide longitudinal database system. It was that one thing, the idea that we don't take government funds, that made them take us out of that bill. Now that bill didn't pass that year, 
but the wording from that bill was included in a closed door meeting into the state budget a couple years later. Now that bill did pass and so the longitudinal database system is in the law now and it has our exemption language in it because we were able to get it worked into that one bill that died but they took the language from the bill that died and put it into the budget bill later that ultimately became law. So because homeschool, private homeschool families don't take state money, we are able to stay outside of that state-controlled computer system that tracks every student in the state of California from birth into the workforce. So I'm really thankful for that and hopefully uh, you are too. But I, again, I want to point out that it takes effort, it takes work to make sure that these things uh, change, that when somebody proposes something, whether they're doing it on purpose or by accident, it takes a lot of work to detect, to analyze, to monitor, and ultimately to intervene in this legislation to make sure that we protect our freedoms. So again, what are the freedoms that you care about? Do you care about your kids being tracked in a government state database? Do you care about the freedom to teach Christianity or the Bible to your children? Think about these things and um, take a look at our website. We'll put the link down below at our, in our, to our bill tracker on our website about how you can make a difference today, what kind of legislation uh, we are dealing with right now, and how it will impact your family, and what you can do to make a difference on that legislation. So that's it for today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.